they said, look, you're a bomb. And I'm going to bring you to be a bomb. Do you understand? And she was like, I love you. You you could do no wrong to me. I love naive Pokemon. It's great. Did you get more wood? Oh, yeah. I had a strategy of just feeding my Marowak all the drugs. That's not medical advice. I, I'm not liable. <laughs> Podcasts aren't real. You are now listening to Blast Burn Radio. everyone and welcome back to a another another uh and a very intermittent episode of Blastburn radio i am your host steven charbonneau joining me today as always is our battle buddy our very best co-host annabeth naservier annabeth how the hell are you it's been so long i'm, I'm doing okay <laughs> legitimately but it's been so freaking long it's been a really long time. Um, life has been real, real crazy, as, as it always is, and as we are discovering as we go deeper and deeper into the hellscape that is our 30s and the 2020s, it just keeps it keeps on coming and it don't stop coming. I don't remember the rest of the lyrics of this song. I don't. Something, 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 smash, smash. Head gets smart, brain gets dumb. Yeah, Shrek. Shrek. Out of my swamp. Yeah, it's, it's the Shrek song. Haha. Ha. See, I get you, Zoomers. I get your memes. I get the Shrek. First you get the Shrek, then you something, something, then profit. Ha! <laughs> I love how you turn that all the way around into a, a, an old millennial guy from South Park in two seconds. Can you tell that we're a little rusty? <laughs> but we're, we're here to talk about Pokemon because that's what this show is. And you guys haven't heard from us in a while. And there's a new, a new games, new games are coming out soon. So we thought we would do something fun to celebrate that fact. New games are coming out soon. Um, and there is like a little bit of news that we, we probably could nitpick and talk about if we really, really wanted to. Um, we got some stuff out of Worlds as far as like new competitive gimmicks that are going to be in Scarlet and Violet. It was clarified what terrestrializing is and looks like which should be a really interesting mechanic. Uh, we actually got a new Pokemon announcement today in the form of Grafefe, a weird little le- lemur gremlin that I love with my whole heart. But, you know, we're at the end of the day, at the end of the day, guys, there are other podcasts that are still producing weekly or biweekly content that are going to give you guys all of that stuff. And, like, nobody is picking up their podcatcher after three months opening Blastburn Radio and being like, let's see what's new in Scarlet and Violet. That's just not, that's not what you're here for. That's not what we're here for. We're actually here because my dear friend Annabeth read a clickbait article and got angry. I got angry. <laughs> Nintendo Live, I'm fucking calling you out. I was, like, sitting on my couch being like, oh, what's in the news? And Nintendo Life was like, let's rank. The various regional Pokedexes. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Who writes this? Yeah. So so Annabeth has decided that we are doing another ranking special. Um, and this time specifically, we are ranking 
the generational, I guess I should say, new Pokedex editions. Um, we did have to clarify, are we ranking regional Pokedexes and thus every Pokemon available in Kalos, for instance, which would include things like the Gen 1 starters and fucking damn near everything else because fucking everything is in the Kalos regional Pokedex? Or are we just ranking the new Pokemon introduced in every generation? And we are just ranking the new Pokemon introduced in every generation, which I, I can't speak for you, Anna, but for me, that changes these rankings substantially. There are a couple of entries that would be way higher or way lower if ad- additional factors were factored in. Yeah, absolutely. Like, legitimately, how many, how many generations have we had Zubat? And Geodude. <laughs> Most of them. Most of them. Most of them is the answer to that question. Yeah, but legitimately, we're just going to be taking a look at uh, each. What what did each generation add? Like, as ter- in terms of Pokemon, what was it good? Was it not good? Where does it fall on the tier list? Uh, which should be a good time. I had a really hard time with this list. Not as hard of a time as I had with our starter list a couple of years ago. But my my one and two and my seven and eight could could really go either way i mean same uh, honestly let, let me ask because this is kind of interesting because we didn't actually like set like a set criteria of these are the points to consider pick your things we just said this is what we're ranking go and so it's very likely that we used different metrics on top of that so so anna do you want to tell us a little bit about like what your scoring system looked like or if there was any such thing yeah yeah so Essentially, I over the last couple of days, I've come through every generation and I took a look at not only how many new Pokemon did we get, and that does include things like regional variants, megas, all that good jazz, but also what was the staying power of what was added? Like you could add 75 Pokemon and if they're all regular old Corsola, you're not, it's not going to be very memorable, right? And you're not going to see... F's in the chat for Sawsbuck. <laughs> F's in the chat for Sawsbuck. Um, but, but yeah, like reasonably quantity isn't everything. It's also about quality and quality could be like mechanical strength. It could be, uh, how these Pokemon exist in the minds of pop culture. Like I think a lot of, we'll talk about Kanto at some point in this list, but a lot of the strength of Kanto is the iconicness of those Pokemon and like how important they are and how they, uh, as a result resonate, uh, with the general populace, uh, as evidenced many times in media and in the sensation that was the release of Pokemon Go. I also took a look at what is commonly used in competitive and has continued to be over the years. Like, what are the Pokemon that are continuing to make a splash several years after, several generations, in a lot of cases, after their debut? So, like, all of those things were kind of, like, brought into account. Uh, it's also important to note, I'm sure Stephen will give us uh, his criteria in a moment. This is an extremely subjective thing. Like, this is our personal opinions. Don't don't burn the barn down because I didn't put your generation in first. So you have the, 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 the what is, what's the word I'm looking for? The disclaimer. You have been given the disclaimer on these types of lists that I am required and obligated to give you as a podcaster. No, absolutely. And, and I'll go one step further and even say that, like, I love everything in this list. <laughs> Even my my bottom entry is a generation that introduced one of my top three favorite Pokemon. Like, there there is no bad generation as far as I'm concerned. Like, we're ranking the good to the great, in my opinion. I, I didn't have a, a super strict criteria for me. It was largely 
looking at these Pokemon, how do I feel? A, a large part of it for me was also playability um, to some degree. Like generations that felt bad to play with that regional Pokedex in the region it was introduced in scored poorly. Which, again, I, I don't know how much that factored into anybody else's criteria, but for me, if it <laughs> if you have one fire type in your entire region, probably not going to get super high on this list. <laughs> you know, as as a totally random, not at all real example. But yeah, um, I, I think we've got our, our list and we've got our reasons. I think we're going to handle this pretty close to how we did our starter ranking, where we'll just kind of go from the bottom to the top. And once we have both listed off an entry, we can kind of talk about it a little bit. And then once we're done, we can kind of smoosh smoosh our rankings together uh, and see what they look like as as a aggregated, averaged out whole. So, Annabeth, I literally cannot wait. Who is your absolute worst garbage tier generation of new Pokemon? Garbage tier. Uh, it's it's Johto for me. It's Johto. It's 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 <laughs> it's gotta be Johto. Like, all right, let's talk about Johto for a second. It it adds a hundred new Pokemon, which is more than some generations on this list for sure but <laughs> i just talked about corsola and it's for a reason yes you got steel types yes you got dark types which kind of have a very small smidge they exist and i think the ones that do exist are pretty neat uh skizor is pretty cool skarmory is great uh houndoom and uh, murkrow are pretty pretty iconic but on the whole despite a few notable standouts on the list it's not, it's not very interesting. Uh, Johto has always felt like the footnote of Kanto. I don't know. It, it, do, it really just doesn't compete with the other things that are on this list. To me, the, the Gen 2 Pokedex has always felt like the supporting cast of the Gen 1 Pokedex, like, like in a very real substantial way, uh, which is supported by the fact that almost none of the Johto gym leaders have Johto Pokemon on their teams. Uh, certainly not as their aces. Almost exclusively not. Uh, because those Pokemon are bad. Like, like overall, now, there are obviously standout exceptions. Scissor, Skarmory, Blissey, fucking my boy Heracross, my boy, my sweet beloved son, Tyranitar. Like, there are great Pokemon in Johto, but they're in among the Sunfloras <laughs> and the fucking, the fucking Ladians. I, and that's the thing, like, even like a lot of those Pokemon have really dope designs that I can really get behind. Ladian is a Power Ranger beetle. I fucking love that shit. That thing's great, but it's dog shit. They made it dog shit and they did it on purpose because they, it's, it almost feels like they didn't want those Pokemon to be as good as the original 151. And that's fucking criminal. You're doing a huge disservice to your own game. That on top of locking so many of the the Johto originals that are actually really good into the post game in Mount Silver or in Kanto, and it just it just sucks. It just sucks. You introduce an entirely new typing in Dark, and you can only get one Pokemon of that typing before you beat the Elite Four, and that's dog shit. Stellar designs, one hundred percent. I I feel like there are certain generations where their Pokedex just feels iconic to that region, and. Like, most of those are near the top of this list for me. Yep. Johto is that way, and it's at the bottom of this list. Like, it managed to fail despite that. <laughs> but, you know, such is life sometimes. I don't think anybody is really surprised at this. You gave a Stantler, Johto. What the fuck? Come on. Well, so far, we're, we're one for one. That's going to end <laughs> right now, I'm, I'm reasonably sure. But you get, to, you get to reveal first this time. Okay. Uh, well, at number seven, I have Gen 4. 
Yeah, I think that that's that's pretty pretty valid. Actually, I don't have Sinnoh there, but it's not it's not much higher up. <laughs> I, I have Kalos here actually, uh, with which is saying something for me because I like a lot of Kalos Mon. But Kalos as as a region got the the smallest number of additional Pokemon, and I think while there are some standouts that are extremely memorable and used in competitive Greninja, I'm looking at you. I find the decks itself and like what was added to be extremely underwhelming if you leave aside the Megas. And Megas as a mechanic is extremely polarizing. <laughs> so uh, it, it really didn't kick it up too many notches for me. Yeah, I Gen 6 is a little bit higher for me and I'll definitely I'll talk about it when I get to it. Um, but the, those are those are my criticisms of it, like 100%. I think that what's there lands a little better for me, which is why it lands a little higher for me. But yeah, like that's that's all really valid. Um, again, Gen Four for me is just another case of really poor implementation. Like, there's a lot of really good mod here, but a lot of them you either can't get until post game, or you can get the pre evolutions, but you need a special item to evolve it, and that item's only available in the battle tower in post game, or you have to transfer a Pokemon from a previous generation game to evolve it. It should be against the fucking law to lock a new Pokemon behind a transfer. That's stupid. It's stupid and bad. And like the number of gym leaders and elite four members with multiple team members off typing in Sinnoh demonstrates a significant lack of forethought by the developers. I'm sorry. It's just true. If you didn't put enough fire types in the game, don't give a fucking fire type elite four member. Just don't do it. It's dumb and bad and you should feel bad for this. Platinum fixes a lot of these problems, but it's important to note that most people experience these games with Diamond and Pearl. Platinum sold very poorly in comparison to Diamond and Pearl, and most people who bought Platinum first bought one of the other two. Yeah. Unfortunately, you cannot forgive the sins of the father in this case because of the enhanced third version. You just, I can't, at least. Well, and not to mention, like, a lot of the problems that Platinum fixes is infusing the game with Pokemon from other generations from other to, to fix the original game's problems. So I, I think that's that's pretty pretty damning evidence as to why it should live at uh, rank seven over here. It's rank six for me. So it's also worth noting that Sinnoh introduced like new evolutions to a number of Pokemon that people were really excited to have evolve only to not like those evolutions as well as what came before. Like looking at you, Rhyperior, looking at you, Magmortar, like <sighs> there's questionable design choices all over the place. Um, a lot of over-designed things. I think that's true of the DS era as a whole. Yes, I know the Gen 5 apologizer is criticizing the entire DS era, but it's true. Like, there's a lot of, like, really heavily designed mons in Gens 4 and 5 overall. And Gen 4 has multiple Pokemon that are walking fart jokes, and I'm just, I just can't look past that. I, I can't. It does give me Gliscor, it does give me Mamoswine, it also gives me Chimchar and Skuntank. It lives a little higher on my list for the iconic mon that exists in Sinnoh, largely. And there are a lot of them. Uh, Pokemon that are easily recognizable by your average Pokemon fan. A lot of them will know what a Lucario is. Like, that, that is a thing that is real and true. And that's not true for every Pokemon in the, like, whole Pokedex, right, that exists today. There'd be some people like, what the fuck is that? Is that a Pokemon? But yeah, like, uh, what? let's see, Mamoswine was already mentioned, Gliscor, Lucario. Gastrodon won Worlds this year. Yeah, that's true. 
That's that's <laughs> le- that's legitimately true. A toga kiss, sweet Jesus, <laughs> toga F- kiss, fucking Garchomp, Garchomp. Like there, there are so many Pokemon in Sinnoh that were made in Sinnoh that are like super iconic. The uh, like starter triad are pretty well loved uh, overall, uh, regardless of individual feelings on certain Mon. And that's why it ranked a little higher than Kalos uh, in my list, who's legitimately like list of really standout Mon and their staying power is lower, which is obviously impacted by the fact that they got less Pokemon. (laughs) That does, you know, obviously, how can I put this? Uh, If you get less Pokemon, there's less of a chance that you're going to get more standout from that particular region. (laughs) Like every Pokemon is a chance to succeed and not all of them do. But yeah, it made it a little higher on my list than you, but not much further. And I love Gen 4. Yeah. I mean, yes, it, it, it's unfortunate. So, so Sinnoh is your number six. Um, my number six is Galar is Gen 8, which is the weakest modern generation by a significant margin on my list. Um, though I don't have any specific problems. And, and I like this grouping of Pokemon a lot. I don't love them the way that I do some of the other entries. Same thing with the starter trio, which I think is really good without being like really excellent. Like, like I don't dislike any of them, but they don't, aside from their G-Max forms, which are incredible toe-to-tip, like I don't adore them the way that I do some of the other starter trios. I do appreciate that unlike uh, Mega Evolution, Gigantamax shows plenty of love to the Gen 8 Pokemon. Like, like that is something I genuinely appreciate. And I think most Gigantamax forms are really, really good. I like those forms a lot more than Megas as a whole, though it is unfortunate that some Gen 8 Pokemon were so clearly designed specifically for the way they would function in Dynamax and Gigantamax and will just suck a lot more, both visually and mechanically, after we leave Galar behind and, and no longer get big and scary. It's sad. It's, it's sad days in the kingdom. Rip for your boy Colossal. Also, just as we're talking about Gen 8, shout out to the Hisuian forms. They weren't enough to swing this placement one way or the other, but they were like toe to tip. Every Hisuian form Pokemon was phenomenal. I think the best Gen 8 Mon for me, for my money, is Cramorant. Best boy. Best boy. Cra- fucking Cramorant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking back to that episode of Adventures where I adopted a derpy Cramorant. Yeah, it's a good bird. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, so in, in fifth place, as we reach like the dead center... I've got Kanto. Fair enough. Which, like, it's really hard to rank the Gen 1, original 151, because, as you pointed out, Annabeth, they are so incredibly iconic. Like, they're, even the lesser known Kanto Mon are, like, household names. Weedle. <laughs> Everybody knows what the fuck a Weedle is, and it's wild. And there are a ton of really great original Mon. Like, the the series would not have taken off the way it did and captured the imagination of children worldwide if they weren't great design creatures. Um, That being said, there's a lot of really simple, arguably really lazy designs here, um, which to a degree they had to be due to the hardware of the time. Like, they had to be visually recognizable on an OG brick-ass Game Boy. But some of them are just lazy, frankly. And, like, no, for the record, Put down your keyboards. I'm not talking about Voltorb. I actually think Voltorb is a really clever play on like the the old D&D mimic. Like I think that's a really neat gimmick. But Ekans is a snake. Ekans is a snake, guys, and its name is Snake spelled backwards. It's, it's name. Its name is Snake. 
Spelled backwards. Its name is Snake. And and fun fact, the same trick works for Muck. It is what its name is spelled backwards. God damn it. <laughs> From a gameplay perspective, without beating a dead horse, there are problems with this Pokedex for a Pokemon game. Frankly, there's way too much poison in the region, and Psychic is way too strong with way too few counterbalances. Obviously, those are problems that they addressed in the following generation, and and kudos for that, even if they did kind of a piss-poor job of it uh, all the way up until Gen 3. But but yeah, like all of this is stuff that's very forgivable, given that this is the first batch, but it does hold it back from being truly great, which is what I think everything above this list for me is. Above on this list for me, I guess I should say. Uh, that being said, it has almost every icon of the franchise, from Pikachu to Charizard to motherfucking Eevee, and I, you can't take that away from Kanto. No, you cannot. When we get to where it is on my list, we'll talk about that a little bit because it it played strongly into where i placed it in fifth place i have galar i feel like i'm just like one (laughs) one behind you on on the way up i looked through the galar decks today actually just to get a refresher it's been a little while since i played sword and shield and though i really enjoyed playing sword and shield i've played through both cartridges in full uh, and i've done a bunch in the game itself there aren't a lot of Pokemon that really resonate with me as as a human being. And that's aside from the the points that Steven already made uh, about the region and about how the regional mechanic uh, in Dynamax and Gigantamax really played a role in a lot of these Pokemon's existence. And they will suffer for it moving forward, unfortunately. That's not to say that, that there aren't some standout Mon from Gen 8. There are. But when compared to a lot of the stuff that's that's above this, it just couldn't cut it. <laughs> this is the best way to put it. It's not bad. It just isn't amazing. Agreed. Um, well, in number four, I guess to, to get it out of the way and catch us back up onto the same page, this is where I put Gen 6. This is where Kalos lives for me. Which, again, this is the one specifically that if we were counting the entire Pokedex and not just new editions, Kalos would have scored way higher. Kalos would have been top three for sure, probably top two, top two, top two for sure. Top two. I love this regional decks a lot. Like this is one we've talked about this before when we did the X and Y playthrough where at first I was like, eh, Kalos Pokemon. And then every Kalos Pokemon I see, I'm like, I fucking love that Pokemon. Every, every single fucking one of them. Malamar. This is a really solid grouping of new Pokemon. Something, again, from this point on the list forward, every one of these Pokemon in these generations feels like a group, like they belong together, like they belong to the region that they're from in a way that, that like games like gen four and even gen eight, sorry, Gallard, they don't necessarily have that same, that, that same sense. If anything, my biggest complaint when it comes to Kalos is that in a massive regional Pokedex of returning favorites, there's a very small number of Kalos originals and they kind of get lost in that to a degree. Um, I love the massive variety available in the the new games, but, but I do wish that it was toned down slightly or that the Kalos Pokemon were maybe more common to make them stand out more when you're playing. This is amplified by Mega Evolution, a gimmick that overwhelmingly favors Gen 1 and 3 Pokemon and causes them to overshadow the new additions. Like, I can't speak for y'all, but on my first playthrough of X and Y, like, yeah, I had a Greninja and he was cool, I guess, but I also had a mega fucking Blaziken and a mega fucking Venusaur. I didn't give a fuck about that frog. 
Yeah, like the, the yeah, the Megas overshadow the new Pokemon, which sucks because the new Pokemon are really, really good. It's a great set of Mon with a ton of personality. It introduced probably the best set of fossils to date, hands down, as well as like like great friends like Diggersby and Flabebe. Diggersby though. Diggersby though. Uh, I love XY and so can you, kind of. They're also deeply frustrating, but we're just talking about the Pokemon right now, and those are real good. Also, it gave us Mega Glalie, and I'll never forget it for that. That is true. Mega Glalie does exist. It does. Oh, boy. Who you got in fourth, Annabeth? It's Kanto. Yeah. We really are all caught up. We have the same top three. Hot damn. It's, it's pretty It's pretty much all the way up. We had, like, one, one switcheroo yeah. like, spot there. But legitimately, Kanto has a lot of problems because it was the beginning. But all of its Pokemon, all 151 of them are iconic. They live forever. They are immortal in the the eyes of society. Like, and not just the US or just Japan. It's the world. Like, there are very few IPs that ever manage to make characters that recognizable as Gen 1 Pokemon are. And as a result... (laughs) <laughs> like we were just talking about Kalos, Gen 1 Pokemon have reappeared in generations, like going onwards into the future, if we're being honest. We will see another version of Charizard. He's going to get two new forms and Knuckles. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's going <laughs> to happen. But that means that those iconic Mon are going to continue uh, to appear and appear and appear. And often they're really good. They're really good. And... For me, at least, uh, like even nostalgia aside and like playing my very first Pokemon game, I really do think that that iconic status and their constant reemergence onto uh, the competitive scene and into the games does warrant them uh, a bit higher up. As mentioned, type variety is very bad in the Kanto decks. There are too many of the same, even dual types, which is absolutely crazy. If you play Squirtle, uh, every day to guess Pokemon, and you get down to Gen 1, there's a good chance it's a grass poison or a, a rock ground. Like, you you can get through that list lickety-split. But yeah, I, I put Kanto here just for its cultural impact, and everything else has been said, so we will leave Kanto be as we head on to third place. Yeah, and we've got the same top three, so I'm really curious to see how these rank for you. Annabeth, who you got in third? I have Hoenn in third. I have Unova in third. Now you're wondering where I put Unova. Is it in <laughs> second or is it in first? I, I am excited. Okay. <laughs> tell us tell us about Hoenn, Annabeth. Hoenn, a lot a lot of making these lists, while we have criteria and we have uh you know various things that we looked at, uh, a lot plays into personal preference. I have never liked the the Hoenn Pokedex. I just don't. But that's not to say it is without merit because it is in third, obviously. Freaking Groudon, Rayquaza, and Kyogre are some of the most iconic legendaries in the game, period. They see a ton of competitive play in formats that allow them. Abilities completely change what Pokemon are in the way that we value their worth. And while we're not rating the mechanic, you can't, because it's a part of what a Pokemon is, the fact that it exists absolutely fundamentally changes the way that you value Pokemon. Pelipper without Drizzle is garbage, (laughs) but a Pelipper with Drizzle is incredible. Hoenn has a lot of really, really cool iconic Pokemon. Design, 
like visual design, I think is top notch. I like legitimately. There's a lot of great standout designs in here. They played with some really interesting things like really early. Cast Form is a really good example of that. Cast Form is a Pokemon that I hate, but I can appreciate for the fact that it's really neat and interesting. It's it's really funny when you look at design, when you add something mechanical, you can really change change the game quite literally on what you can do with something. And in this case, that something is Pokemon. And yeah, like... Oh, it's got some great designs. It's got some great Pokemon. It's super iconic. Even if I don't like most of the decks, it's fantastic. So I've actually got Owen, not, not to jump ahead, but I guess we'll, we'll take these one at a time since they are the top three. I've got Owen in second. And there's a lot of crow for me to eat here, because if you'll go all the way back, all the way back to when we started Gen 3, I shat talk this Pokedex pretty hard. I was like, I don't like these Mon. I don't really care for them. They're fine, I guess. And I think that was just mostly because when I first played it, I was a teenager who was too cool for Pokemon. But they're they're dope. Like, they're really, really dope. I was wrong. Especially considering that it's nearly 20 years old at this point. Like, most of the rest of the stuff at the top of this list for me is in the newer end of Pokemon games. This is not even a little bit. This is maybe the only generation where I can say uncritically that there's maybe not a bad design in this entire Pokedex. Like, even Pokemon who are surface-level bad or frustrating, like, say, Spinda and Love Disk, have interesting gimmicks that make them fun to have exist, right? Spinda has a million and a half patterns, and maybe you get the one that looks like a nutsack on his face, and you go, ha ha, look at Spinda, he's a nutsack. Or, you know, Love Disk holds the heart scales, which are incredibly useful, and there's a reason to seek them out, even if it's not how strong they are in, in battle. This is a stellar set of Pokemon. It's really fun. It's really iconic. The designs are amazing. Um, and as you pointed out, this is maybe the most iconic set of legendaries in Pokemon since the legendary birds of, of Kanto. Just absolutely chef's kiss. Also, it gave us our Lord and Savior Ludicolo, and that cannot be overstated. Not to say that there aren't frustrations in the Hoenn Pokedex, like the fact that especially that this is a game that is one generation before the physical special split that gave us more than a few Mon who are like really physically oriented and of two special typings, like Crawdon, for example, like that sucks. That, that fucking blows. Do better, Game Freak. What the fuck? But it's it's just, it's good. It's good. I was even, I was talking to my brother a while back because he started watching some like Nuzlocke content on YouTube, like of older games. We were talking about it and I was like, you know, after playing a lot of, and Nuzlocking a lot of Emerald for the last couple of years... I really appreciate Whiskash now. And he's like, why on earth would you really appreciate Whiskash now? He's like, that's like the the, th the third best water ground type in that game. Why would you be excited about it? And I was like, because it gets Earthquake by level up. In a game where TMs are single use, and like that's a resource that you have to like hoard, and high base power moves are really rare and hard to get your hands on. Whiskash gets Earthquake by level up. And I feel like that's something we've lost as time has went on. Having Pokemon that are otherwise bad be good for reasons like their learn set is just not something that you get much of anymore. Unless it's like a stupidly overpowered move that only they get and it's so good that it breaks the game like fucking Smeargle, right? But like, I don't know. I Gen 3 has a lot of problems mechanically. It is a generation that shows its age now. Not as much as 1 and 2 do, but definitely enough. But this Pokedex is strong, and I fucking love it. 
It's a good call. Let's talk about Unova because Unova's in my second spot and it's in your third. I'll be damned. Let's talk about Unova, Annabeth. Let's talk about Unova. A a game like black and white. Everybody knows my feelings on black and white. I'm not going to relitigate it. But I'll tell you what. Game Freak knew when they were approaching a game where all the Pokemon were going to be new. That not only were they going to have to give you a lot of them to make sure that you could build teams that actually worked and felt good to play in the game, but they made some real fucking bangers. Like, Unifo Pokemon rock. If you go look at OU and UU, it is chock full of Unifo Pokemon, even generations later, regardless of power creep. Like, they are designed well. They're cool as shit to look at. They're great mechanically, and they hold up Against the test of time. And I don't really know what else you could say about a generation and its group of Pokemon to make it, like, truly iconic. I do think that Unova as a region has a feel to it. Not as much as uh, the the region that's in both of our number one uh, slots. But Pokemon like Bisharp and and Ferrothorn definitely feel like they're from the same place. And the text is just really dope. It's It's a really big, really good... Pokedex. This is also like the the first and and only generation that had the full motion sprites, which gave a lot of character to all of the Pokemon. They really can't be overstated. I didn't even think about that. Like like again, we see that like nowadays with the 3D models, but it started it started here. Really, it started in Gen three with Emeralds like motion sprites in battle, but like it's taken to a whole nother level. It's Emerald booms and kicks it up a notch in Gen five, and it's wonderful. Frankly, I don't know. It's it's great that they experimented with the gimmick of Gen 5 and gave us a region with no pre-existing Pokemon. I, I know that it's something that was divisive at the time, certainly, even if people are more fond of it now in hindsight than they were when it was new. But like, not, not only did it give Unova an entirely unique feeling when first playing through it, but it's had a lasting impact because now in later games... When Game Freak is designing a cave, they don't just go, well, obviously that cave is full of Geodudes and Zubats. They might go, you know what? Let's put some Rog and Rollas in there. Let's put some Woobats in there. Like, they have options to pull from for those iconic Pokemon niches that, that they never designed a new Pokemon for before because that's just where Machop lives. That's just where Geodude lives in every fucking region until the end of time. They don't anymore. And, and I really can't overstate the value of that. In fact, the last couple of generations, haven't had plain old vanilla Kanto Geodude. They've had Rock and Rollas. And that's dope. Or in the same generation, they'll have Geodudes in some caves and Rock and Rollas in others. So Geodude's not constantly the one blowing up in your face. You get variety on who's pissing you off. It's great. I love it. Incredible designs. Like this is a generation that gave us Volcarona, High Dragon, Chandelure, and Excadrill. Come on. C- come on. Come on. That being said, it's not, it's not perfect. Uh, As mentioned for Gen 4, the DS generation as a whole has a preponderance of designs that feel like they're really trying to be cool and edgy, and that's definitely at play with Pokemon like Bisharp and Haxorus. I love them both, don't get me wrong, but Haxorus is a dragon with an axe for a face, and that's a conscious decision that someone made. Someone Uh, made that choice. (laughs) The Genies are maybe the least loved legendary trio of all time, and honestly, it's for a good reason. They're ugly-ass Mr. Clean motherfuckers. And 
they could just leave and that would be fine. Uh, and frankly, the, the evolution requirements for many of the best Gen 5 Pokemon became ridiculous the second they left Unova and the specific place where you encounter them in that game. They are so tightly tied to the EXP curve of black and white that it's frankly criminal that they never re-evaluated those like evolution requirements. It's dumb. It's dumb that you can get a rufflet on the first island in Sun and Moon and not evolve it before the Elite Four. Game Freak, fix your fucking shit. The Gen 5 Pokedex is great, but these factors, for me, hold it back from the top, and they're what puts Hoenn and, and of course, our, our grand champion above it. Also, it has Watchhog and fuck Watchhog. Fuck Watchhog. Though, admittedly, Amoongus is dope. Amoongus is dope. It's such a funny, like, strangely designed Pokemon, but it's so good. It's wild because it's the Unova equivalent of Voltorb. Yeah. Right? It's the mimic. It's it's so cool. Uh, I, I really appreciate that about it. Let's talk about Alola. Oh, let's... Can, can we... Can we please talk about Alola? So, when I was going through... This is actually, like, one of the things that really pissed me off when I was reading this Nintendo Life article, is that both Unova and Alola were not ranked very high at all. And I was like, are you in fucking insane? Alola is amazing. I don't think there is another generation in Pokemon where the Pokedex feels so iconic to the place. Like, period. And that's not even to talk about its competitive legacy in Ultra Beasts and the Tapus, who are amazing. The introduction of regional forms for the first time made a huge splash. And some of those forms are fantastic. Alola is a a place with such charm. And that charm isn't just in the world that you are visiting. It is in the Pokemon who live there. And Incineroar lives there. I don't like Incineroar, but nobody (laughs) will ever argue that Incineroar is a bad Pokemon. It's an amazing Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. You have me on audio saying that. You're welcome. I do. I do. That's my new ringtone. Thank you. What What is there to say about Gen 7? Best set of starters in the entire franchise, hands down. I will not be taking questions at this time. They're very good. There are a couple that you could probably argue, but, but for my money, single best starter trio. Just absolutely phenomenal. For my money, I like a bug. You know I like a bug. I have always been vocal and upfront about the fact that I like a bug. Best single spread of new bug types in the history of the franchise. I don't know if I've talked about this on mic or not, but I did a, like a a gym leader challenge, I guess, where I played through Pokemon sword and I did it with all Pokemon of the same type. And I bred them myself and made them shiny because of course I did. I'm extra as shit. And I did it with bug types. And half of that team was native to Alola. And half of them I already had shinies of, but I bred shinies of them again just because I wanted to use them in that playthrough because I love using them so much. You've got you've got Rabombi, you've got Vicavolt, you've got Araquanid, you've got Glycopod, which is more and more every day becoming my favorite fucking Pokemon, period. I love Glycopod. Because it's just so fucking cool. It it's wonderful. It's it's absolutely wonderful. It, my my favorite group of legendaries, whether we're talking the Tapus or Nebby and his lack of respect for bags, I'm actually really hopeful for Scarlet and Violet because I, I really feel like spending so much time with Nebby over the course of your adventure in Alola really made me fond of Solgaleo and Lunala in a way I might not have been otherwise. And I'm hoping that riding on my weirdly running on its fucking feet motorcycle 
uh, across the, the, the width and breadth of Paldia will foster a, a similar sense of fondness. Even the Ultra Beast designs, like, love them or hate them, and a lot of people hate them, they're distinct and they're different in a way that is consistent. They're weird. Yeah, they're weird. They're weird on purpose. They're weird on purpose, and it's really interesting. The, the introduction of regional forms 100% changed the game. It's the, the one thing that is probably never going away entirely. They might change it up. There are some rumors floating around that we're not getting regional forms, but we're getting something different and similar in Scarlet and Violet. And sure, that might happen. But some variant of regional forms is probably here forever because it's just, it's just a slam dunk. Yeah. It's, it's the best region. Like even. I had to think, I was like, what is the worst Pokemon in the Alola po- Pokedex? And for my money, it's probably Crabominable for a number of reasons, not the least of which being that you can't evolve it until the ass into the game and it's bad. But but I still fucking love Crabominable. He's adorable. So yeah, this is a great, great set of mom. Great game. Fuck, I love Alola. It's it's such a it's such a great region. It's such a great Dex. I'm so glad that we had the like the same like first spot and we were pretty close on the other one yeah like like again normally i'm like well we're gonna smush these together and see how they change they're not gonna change i'm not gonna bother because it's like yeah kalos might jump up a spot yep like fuck it's the same it's the same ranking for once let the records show that for once annabeth servier and steven charbonneau fucking agreed about pokemon one time <laughs> one time but legitimately going through this list uh, and reviewing everything, like, placements moved a bunch. Like, I kept being like, yeah, I like where these are. And then I'd be like, no, I don't like where these are. And then I'd move them again. But my ability to go through and, like, make an, a, like, educated decision on where the, these things fall, largely thanks to this show. Like, getting to Nuzlocke with Steven and Celeste and with Alex really shed a light on these Pokemon in a way that, I don't think I would have gotten otherwise because there's just some Pokemon you don't think to use. Like when you're just playing through like all cash, like you can grab your friends and go and pick up some cool new stuff. But really knowing the decks is inside and out, either because I was being punished by extremely obscure mod that I wouldn't see in competitive or playing with them myself, uh, really put, at least for me, like in a really good position to go through this and really have strong feelings about where things should fall. And I think it's also one of the reasons why Steven and I have such similar rankings, despite not talking to each other since we said we were going to do this four days ago. But yeah, it's, it's really cool. Take that Nintendo life. Yeah, eat shit. (laughs) Ah, this is wild. I I expected to get my shouting voice out and I didn't happen at all. No, it, it really didn't. I had a lot of the same feelings that you did. I think what's really funny is our principal point of argument was Kalos. Yeah, right? <laughs> and I was much more positive about it than you were. Where I'm like, yeah, like, I like these, but I do I feel like they added a ton to, to Pokemon? No. I couldn't bear to put it in the bottom slot, though. Jo- Johto was like, was the no-brainer. I still feel like you putting it below Sinnoh even was very much a case of rose-colored glasses. But that's okay. We've all got those. Sinnoh Sinnoh is a weird place. Like, we've spent so much time doing the Nuzlocke World Tour and playing against each other. I I think about competitive and, like, the viability of Pokemon in competitive in various formats, even though I don't play a lot of competitive on my own, more than I ever would have before. 
And like I think about Sinnoh's iconic, like really iconic Mon, including Heatran, which I often forget is Gen 4 and not a Gen 5 Pokemon. He feels very Unova. You're right. He feels very Unova. And I was like, wait, that's in Gen 4? But they're they're really good with a lot of staying power, like both culturally and competitively in a lot of cases. So uh, that's why Sinnoh ended up a little higher on the list than where you put it. That's fair. I just, I just think it's bad. And, and that being said, I love Platinum. It's a great game. Like I, I need to pick it up and play through it again sometime soon to wash the bad taste of BDSP out of my mouth. <laughs> but you, you know, it's man, fucking Sinnoh is a roller coaster. A lot of ups, a lot of downs, and the downs are way down there. Yeah, you, you're not, you're not wrong. But this was this was really fun. Thank you so much for joining us on a, a very special episode of Blast Burn Radio, where we shot the shit and didn't argue as much as we thought. Like this episode is currently tracking at what forty eight minutes. So take what five ten from that probably of just dead noise. Yeah. No, we we got in, we got out, we did the thing, and we're done. Uh, least interesting podcast ever. I'm sorry, everybody. I promise we're going to dislike each other a lot more next time. <laughs> I don't know, by the way, when next time is going to be. I'm sorry, guys. Things are just like that still. I'm sure if nothing else, you'll get like a, a post-launch first thoughts of Scarlet and Violet in a couple months if, if you don't hear from us sooner. Uh, but maybe you'll hear from us sooner. Who could say? We'll see when the itch strikes. It's legitimately hard to say. Like, when we stopped this summer, some real shit had gone down in in my life. Somebody who's usually, like, pretty level and, like, A-OK. And I was like, hi, I need to stop. I need to stop to go deal with some things. And largely, the dealing with things has continued to, to roll on throughout the summer with new and occasionally startling developments. I'm okay. I'm doing all right, but I don't need to be not all right for things to be in a place where I can't actively produce a show. And I know that when we sat down to talk about it several months ago, Stephen and Celeste were kind of already cruising on the edge of that themselves. Uh, So thank you for your patience on that. We know that you love the show and that you miss it, uh, but we are only human. (laughs) And we promised ourselves when we came back that we weren't going to kill ourselves to make this show. We did. And we also like, like we promised each other just, just to be transparent that we weren't going to start the, the world tour at least back up until we're sure we can finish the series until we are reasonably sure that we can start it. We can run it through and it'll be done. And, and we're not there yet. And, you know, we're at a time in our lives where a lot of stuff could happen, but we love you guys and we miss you and we still love the franchise and we like talking about it. And as long as we got something to talk about, we'll sit down and we'll talk about some mons. Talk about damn mons. But until next time, I think it, it, I think we're done. I think we are done. Um, nothing really to plug here, as always. Not as always. We used to plug a lot of stuff. But for now, uh, not really going to plug anything. Just uh, stay safe. Be be happy. Be healthy. Don't don't get the new super Rona. Why is there a super Rona? God fucking fucking fucks. You fucked it up. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> I used to start uh, every episode of One for All with still dealing with COVID. I stopped years years ago now because I was like, this is just not going away. It's just this is just where we live now. It's just it's just where we it's just where we live. Why is this where we why why is this?
I'm going to go before I spiral. Uh, as always, I have been Stephen Charbonneau. This has been Blastburn Radio. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you sometime, maybe. <laughs> so, so, sometime soon-ish, TM. But have a great night. Bye, all. Bye. Blastburn Radio is a production of Challenge Accepted Media. This episode was produced by Patrick Miller. If you enjoy Blastburn Radio, you can support us over at patreon.com slash challengeacceptedmedia. Pokemon and all related games and characters are the property and trademark of Nintendo, Game Freak, and the Pokemon Company. Opening music in today's episode includes Game On by Fishy, off the OC Remix album, The Missing No Tracks. Check out this great album at missingno.ocremix.org. Battle music in today's episode provided by Glitch X City. Check out her work on YouTube or SoundCloud at Glitch X City. Closing music in today's episode is Shoal Cave Remix, version 2, also by Glitch X City. Blastburn Radio and its hosts are solely responsible for its content. <laughs>